Welcome to Thrive at Work, a podcast which offers insights and latest employment trends to help employers attract, retain and develop great people with me, Polly Rathbone-Ward. With special guests, we're going to be discussing the many and varied aspects of HR, from practical topics to overarching cultural themes. We'll be looking beyond traditional styles of management to bring new and people-centred ideas to forward-thinking organisations that want to shape a new future where people can thrive at work. Hello and welcome to Thrive at Work. Today's discussion focuses on how employers can attract and retain talent in the workforce of the future. There has been so much change to the workplace over the last few years and in addition we're coming into summer and many young people will be leaving college, school and university and entering the workplace. How can employers create a culture and workplace that will prepare and support the next generation? I'm really pleased today to be joined by Debbie Greenwood, founder of Liaise Limited, a business which helps organisations engage and improve the performance of their people and create happier teams. So welcome, Debbie. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Polly. Debbie, if you don't mind, if we could start maybe by um, telling us a bit about your background and how you've come to doing um, what you do today. Um, yeah, my background is quite checkered, it has to be said, but in a nutshell, I fell into um, learning and development, um, essentially, by going to work for a company here in Bournemouth, a construction company, and they wanted IT trainers. Well, at the time, IT was quite new. Um, I'd never, ever been a trainer before, and I just thought, okay, yeah, no, I'll do it. Um, and... I didn't realise at that time, because I, I was just looking for a job, really. didn't realise at that time that I would have fallen into something that I absolutely loved doing. So over the years, I progressed through the levels there. And then I went into HR, because um, in 2008, 2009, when the, the, we had the big market crash, construction was, well, go straight down the, down the drain, really. And I ended up going into HR. My whole team was made redundant I was the only one that was left and ended up working in HR in the new learning and development team that had been created and it was at that point then that I really really knew I'd found my my place um from there I went to work at the RNLI which was an amazing organization to work for loved that um and then after that I went worked for another construction company that went out of business which no doubt we'll probably touch on a little bit later um and then after that I decided to work for myself and go and help other businesses to improve their people performance their culture their teamwork etc so yeah that's what I do love it brilliant thank you and so what actual services do you provide to clients I provide consultancy so I can go into organisations and have a look at what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, I can work with teams individually um, and then I can provide a performance plan, review, training, coaching, um, mentoring. So anything really that is going to impact the 
culture within the organization, the team culture, and individuals' um, performance and attitudes and behaviors. So yeah, I work across the business with the whole business to help them just thrive because that's what we want at the end of the day is for, for everybody to thrive. Brilliant, thank you. Absolutely, I agree. Um, why do you think this is an important topic? I, I think that people development is highly underrated in many, many businesses, certainly in my experience, and I'm sure yours is the same. There's an awful lot of businesses that just, it wouldn't even cross their mind that they need to support their people and help them to develop and improve and grow. And actually with people as well, when they're in businesses, often they'll go to, to work and that's what they're expecting to do. And I, I put myself in that category to start with. I didn't even think about kind of developing my skills, improving myself. So it depends entirely on what they're doing at the time. And sometimes you just catch them at a point where they get that aha moment. And that's what I love as well, is when people get that aha moment and sort of think, oh, okay. So yeah, I see now why I need training, coaching, mentoring, whatever it is, or businesses need some help to sort of support their people. Um, so it's to you and I, it's a natural thing. To other people, it isn't necessarily. So for me, that's why I love doing what I do and why it's important is to start to get people to start thinking about how they're going to move forward and improve and grow their businesses and grow their people as well. Because they do go very much hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, what difference do you think the pandemic has made um, to this sort of area? <clears throat> oh my God, how long have you got? I mean, without <laughs> shadow of a doubt, I mean, things, things change really, really fast these days anyway, don't they? But I don't think anything has changed faster than it did pretty much overnight. I mean, the rush to get everybody working at home, so, you know, wherever possible. Um, it was incredible. I mean, it was just something to behold to see that happening and hear about it happening. So anything is possible. And yeah, it probably wasn't ideal, but I think what it has shown many, many businesses and people, and I would like to think should have shown most businesses, is that absolutely anything is possible that you can have hybrid working, you can have people working at home effectively and efficiently. Um, not everybody can do it. Obviously, thank God for the key workers, I mean, because every country in this world would have gone down the pan had it not been for those amazing people that kept the country going. And ironically, it's those people that are often so overlooked um, that were the ones that, that were doing it. So has the pandemic changed everything? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, what I would like to think is that those changes are starting to stick and that people's attitudes are start, uh, are start because it's not only the businesses and the individuals that have improved, it's the whole environment and the whole environmental issues as well that have come, you know, sort of kind of raised their heads as well. So I think there's so much good that's come out of the pandemic tough as it was I mean it was really really tough for many people um but yeah without a shadow of a doubt it's it's massively changed well I think it has anyway I think it's massively changed people mm -hmm. people's <clears throat> mm, thank you yeah I agree and I think it's uh keeping hold of some of those positives 
and making sure that we don't lose the opportunity really to move forward keep mm. some of those positives and move move forward um into the, the future because i think as well that you know people's expectations may have changed as well we had lockdowns mm. we had you know our our um lives were turned upside down to a certain extent there was a huge amount of uncertainty and i think people have um you know people working from home of course it depends on people's individual circumstances but it's just opened up a whole new opportunity and possible ways of working and I don't I'd hate to think that we could lose that so what um what do you think I guess uh, also people's I guess people are looking for slightly different things now in their in their working mm. lives what have yeah. you seen that employees are looking for in in their sort of jobs um well most certainly I don't think there's one person that I've spoken to in the last six or eight months since we've started to kind of move back to some kind of normality. I don't think there's one of them that were in the position that they were able to that haven't said, I want a hybrid working. I want to be able to work in the office sometimes because I love being with people and I love the, the, the collaboration and the team camaraderie and just the whole buzz of the office. But equally, that can be very distracting. So working at home, that enables me to work well. Um, but equally, it's it's the whole not having to commute, being a little bit more flexible, the beauty that you can um, go and pick your kids up from school or take them to dancing and come home. I mean, it does depend on, it depends on the employer. There are employers that still expect you to be logged on at nine o'clock and that you can log off at five or five thirty and you take your hour for lunch but certainly a lot of people that i've called or employers that i've come across are accepting that actually do you know what as long as you perform and what you deliver is to the standard that and when we need it that's all i'm worried about if you're working at midnight that's your choice if you're working at six o'clock in the morning again it's your choice and I think one of the things that quite a few people have said to me is the beauty of being able to work at home is and choose when I'm working is I can work when I'm feeling most productive. Whereas if you're sat at a desk between nine to five, you were supposed to be productive for nine hours a day, whatever it is. Whereas actually you can be way more productive for two or three hours and get more out in that time than you can ever get out in the nine hours you are in the office. Well, I think it's about a mind shift, but one of the things which is absolutely critical and crucial to any relationship, but particularly in this environment, is trust. And trust is just the foundation of everything. And without it, you're lost, to be honest. So, yeah, you, you have to trust each other, not just managers trusting their people. It's the other way around as well. So I'm a big one for trust. <laughs> mm, no, I absolutely well, well. agree. And I think... I think uh, moving to a, a way of managing performance by output and by what's being you know, achieved mm. rather than time at a desk and visibility is, uh, is, uh, is healthy and a great way forward. But I, yeah. I don't think we're there yet with many organisations. Oh, God, no, no. I remember years ago, because the first time I ever kind of came across it, I was reading... Um, I think it was an interview with it was an interview with Richard Branson it was definitely Richard Branson and he said that 
or virgin employees, some of them, they were given the choice that they could, this is what you need to achieve this year. And you can either work, you can work how you want. Now, if you want to work three months nonstop and then have nine months off, that's fine. As long as you've delivered what it is you need to deliver and as long as you are available when you need to be available. And I thought, blimey, that's a bit radical. This is going back years. But now I sort of think, <clears throat> dream, isn't it? And there's not many businesses I thought that would be able to operate in that way. But basically, you can do that, can't you? Maybe not let people have nine months of the year off, but absolutely. I would have thought quite a lot of businesses would be able to be flexible in their approach on how their people work and that let them work when they work better and when it suits them better. Yeah, I think that's a, an ideal way forward. I think, but I think, well, I don't know. I do think it comes down to individual preferences as well. Some people need some structure, don't they? And it's helpful to have a time where you sort of, you know, you need, you know, you need to get up and get ready for a certain time for some reason. I think if if you let people have completely free reign, you, you run the risk of perhaps people overworking or presenteeism yeah. um, as well. Um, I don't know, there's a slight risk there, I guess. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. And I think that's where the management comes in as well. Um, personally, I mean, obviously I work at home all the time now, but um, if I had the choice, I would certainly have a, an office environment that I could go to every now and again with people around me that I can um, talk to, brainstorm as well, because that's what I miss is the, the sort of creativity of having people around you. So um, so absolutely. I mean, I would suspect there would be the odd few people that would relish not having to go into the office at all and that they would be able to manage that whole, yeah, work when you want and they would be able to keep themselves motivated. I know that wouldn't be me uh, because people motivate mm. me, so I need to be around people. But um, I think that's the, that's the beauty of flexibility and hybrid, et cetera, is that actually if people are allowed to be adult um and again it also goes down to trust um there are opportunities there but it's absolutely depends on the individual depends on the business but i think yeah we need to be open to all sorts of you know all sorts of ideas really so yeah um, definitely it does yeah. depend on in, uh, personalities though yes yes thank you i think as well for younger people it, it must be a very difficult and strange time you know coming into the work place perhaps it's someone's first job and if it's a, a completely remote job or hybrid um i think i hope organizations are putting more thought into their induction on onboarding processes to make sure people are properly welcomed and introduced to the culture and the company and it must be a very different experience having that experience remotely um, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And actually a couple of the teams that I've worked with recently, they had quite a few people start um, during COVID. Um, one, one team, I would say, wasn't such a good experience, but the environment itself wasn't conducive to that anyway. So trust was definitely an issue or lack of. Um, however, the other team that I was working with recent, very recently, actually, um, they had it, it worked quite well. They were on teams and what have you, 
you know, regularly. But as soon as they were able to get back into the office, that's when they brought me in. And I did a session with um, them, bring them together and um, start to understand each other. It really kind of um, helped them bond. And it wasn't, you know, it was, it was proper structured training and, and um, understandable, you know, understanding each other. So it, it wasn't sort of um, what people often call fluffy stuff. But um, it was, you know, it was really um, to the point. And they absolutely loved that because it really helped them sort of integrate. Um, mm. So I think in an ideal world, businesses do induct and, and onboard their people. And that's what I'd like to see every business doing. But I think a lot of the time it's completely overlooked, in all honesty, whether that's whether when they're in the office or whether they're in, uh, you know, whether they're um, remote. But I agree completely. I think with young people coming into the workforce, they need to have that structure. They need to have that opportunity to learn about business, how to behave in business, what is expected of them in business. So it's something that I'm really passionate about. And most recently, actually, because my son used to work, then he wanted to do a degree. So he's gone back to university. And of course, that was all through COVID as well. And he's struggled with that sort of lack of structure because of it all being remote um so that's not going to be any different if it's a you know a working environment either so i do feel really sorry for youngsters um and in another organization i know they struggled really really hard um with that and they were they just felt so isolated the young ones particularly the ones that had come on board during um covid they really did feel isolated and they've struggled now going back into the office because there's not those relationships that have been built to sort of support them and help them. Um, and they're, they really are struggling quite hard that, you know, they're yeah. really, they're trying, they're trying to integrate, they're trying to be productive, but then they're just not given the support a lot of the time to be able to do it effectively and to actually hit the ground running or even hit the ground and then start trotting and gradually get, you know, build up pace. So, yeah, I think they, I think a lot of the time they're overlooked and too much is expected of them too soon. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, I guess it is very, it is very tricky, but I guess, um, you know, things like uh, creating those sort of interactions that you, you would get in an office, but trying to mm. recreate them virtually. So, yeah. Um, you know, having instant messaging, I think, is quite helpful. Um, perhaps assigning someone a buddy to sort of help them in their first few weeks or months. Yeah. Um, and making sure that they've got loads of stuff to look at and read and just stuff about the company and materials like that. Because mm. um, I think there's a danger for people to be on a lot of Zoom calls, um, which is great to meet people and get going and get integrated. But actually, you know, you can get Zoom fatigue, can't you? Get oh. quite tired staring at a screen the whole time so to yeah. fill those moments in with other sorts of um activities as well um it's hard yeah. though <laughs> oh i mean zoom fatigue was a real thing wasn't it you know and because you're having to work even harder um on zoom than you are face to face because there's just not a lot that you can see is there and i know that i've been to um um meetings where i've seen i've i've known people i've i've met them over zoom and when you actually see them 
it's like, oh my God, you're so tall, you're so short, you're so much different to what you look like on Zoom, you know, and it is, it's, it's great now that you can do it. But yeah, going back to people coming into the workplace, but particularly younger people coming into the workplace, that face-to-face um, environment is absolutely crucial. So even if they've started during COVID, giving them a really good induction stroke onboarding when they get there so that it isn't all video-based or it isn't all paper-based, that they have actually got people to interact with. Like you say, getting them a buddy is an absolutely brilliant idea. And what I really love the idea of is as well that you've got longer-serving people, potentially older people as well, actually, that can mentor them as well. And that's great for the older person. Um, because one of the other things you can do is you can cross-mentor so that the older person is mentoring the younger person to be more effective in the, the workplace. But the younger person could be mentoring the, that older person on the technology or the stuff that comes easy for the kids and vice versa, the stuff that comes easy for the person that's been there a while, that's more senior, more, um, yeah, senior in various ways. It could be the length of service or it could be their age, either way. There is such a great opportunity there to make the most of both of those people's strengths. Yeah, that's such an interesting point because we do have people working older and longer now as well. Yeah. So we do we do have multi-generations in the workforce. So I think that's a really great idea, that cross-mentoring to get people together, interacting and learning from each other, really, because yeah. we all have different skills and strengths and uh, yeah. have come from different sorts of experiences and backgrounds and opportunities. So I think that's a fab idea. Mm. Excellent. What, what else do you think about multi-generations and getting them to sort of work, um, you know, effectively together? Um, I think, I mean, it's not just multi-generational. I mean, it's just that whole inclusivity and the diversity, isn't it? But as far as the multi-generation, there is, the experiences are so different, aren't they? So, so different. Um, uh, upbringings would have been different sort of um, 30 odd years ago. We watch technology come in to the workplace. And now with a lot of the people that are coming into the workplace, they've known nothing but technology. But the whole, the whole work environment has changed a bit. But I don't think, I don't know what you think, hasn't changed nearly as much as everything else that's going on around us. Work seems to have kind of been a bit stayed in most cases not all cases so um yeah a lot of businesses are forward thinking they are moving forward but certainly lots of businesses that i've worked with recently have tended to be um owner owner managed businesses um and they tended to be quite old style um and I think they are really struggling quite hard to hold themselves up and get themselves into the 21st century. Yes, COVID has helped them to realise that there are opportunities there. The irony is, from the business perspective, they grab all the opportunities that are available to them to get business. But from their running their business, their people perspective, they're still really quite behind. Um, and that will hold them back, certainly when it comes to trying to attract and recruit 
people, whether it's experienced people or whether they're looking to attract and recruit people that are, they want to develop. Um, but actually, having said that, even developing them is is kind of a new thing for some businesses. Because for me, yeah. it's one of the ideal ways to do it. Yes, yes, I've had uh, I've had conversations like that as well. I've had, you know, businesses that say, uh, you know, gosh, we're really struggling to recruit people and keep our people. I mean, it's a challenging climate right now. It's yeah. definitely a candidate-driven market. Um, there are lots and lots of job vacancies out there at the moment, and I think people will leave. You know, if the job's not providing what they what they want and need then there are perhaps other jobs out there that are so um but you've I, you know my advice is that we've got to look beyond I think a lot of organizations their first response is oh we'll increase the salary mm. um which is um fair enough but it will only take you so far I think of course you've got to pay fairly and competitively um but I think that will only take you so far nowadays. And I think you've got to look at other things. And you've already mentioned flexibility and how mm. important that is. And, and I agree that I think people are putting a lot of emphasis and importance on that. For a lot of people, it's a non-negotiable now, mm. yeah, I think. What, what, are, what are your practical tips if you come across an organisation like that, um, you know, and they're, they're sort of struggling or they haven't, they haven't quite made that step towards... Uh, you know, if they're still using sort of quite traditional methods, what what would you say to them? What are your first sort of steps? <laughs> um, I think my advice would be, um, if you really want to thrive as a business, and when I say thrive, that's not necessarily financially, because there are businesses that are thriving, and and you know the the culture's not brilliant. But I would say the issue is with that, they are absolutely struggling to bring in the people that they need in order for their, to, their business to continue thriving. They are losing a lot of people um, and actually they're not making themselves very attractive um, on the outside. So for example, you've got Glassdoor and the likes of Glassdoor where current employees, previous employees can give their ratings and they can also put feedback on as to whether that you know it's a good company to work for you also have to remember that people talk a lot with their family their friends and then if somebody is experiencing not the best environment they that also gets around quite quickly you don't hear so much it's like anything you don't hear so much about the good stuff you hear about the bad stuff so you need your business to be seen in a, a really good light so your, your brand awareness isn't just about what it is that you're providing that service although or what it is you're selling. It is also about your culture, um, your people culture. Do you look after your people? Are your people happy? Because actually, if they're talking to clients and you've got unhappy people, your clients can hear it. If they're not engaged, if the environment's not good, they that does come through. Um, Employees do do a lot of research now, without a shadow of doubt. They're a lot more savvy than when I certainly started working. I mean, when I started working, if you had a good salary, that was brilliant. If you had anything extra than that, that was absolutely fantastic. That's not the case anymore. So like you said, 
Salaries are one thing, and yes, they need to be realistic and they need to be fair. What people, particularly the younger generations, are looking for is organisations that have got great cultures, that, um, that they recognise and they value their people for what they bring, they support them, they develop them, that they've got a great leadership and management team, that the managers are able to support their team as well. Um, it's, it isn't just, you know, go out, get a job now. It is, as far as the business is concerned, you've got to shine out there. I, I was listening to a recruiter the other day, actually, and what I heard from her was quite shocking. She was saying it's not unusual now for people who are really happy in their jobs. And there's a lot of people that are happy in their roles. They're paid quite well. Um, their benefits are not bad. And she said, because recruiters are struggling to recruit, they are just um, approaching people cold and saying, would you be you know, considering moving? And they'll start off with like, no, 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 no. Well, what about if we can offer you this, this and this? And she said, the amount of people that will come back the next day and say, actually, do you know what? I wasn't thinking of leaving, but if it's the right, if it's the right package, if it's the right environment, and it's the environment that's a big one as well. Mm. I'll consider it and she said there are so many people walking that probably a year ago wouldn't even have considered it but because businesses are making it very attractive to come and work for them and they are aware and savvy of what it is that people are looking for some of your best people are walking even if you are a really good employer so it's a it is a very difficult market for, for the employers but you do have to be you have to make yourselves um, look like a business that people want to work with. You need to be an employer of choice. And that's not always easy to do if you don't know what it is you're looking to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. I think there are so many opportunities there for employers to do something a bit different. Different. They need to differentiate themselves, don't yeah. they, from the rest of the market because it is such a busy market right now. So... Uh, you know, and I think people are quite keen to, you know, work for an organisation with a strong sense of purpose, mm. um, where there's a, a strong sense of sort of community, um, a strong sense of, you know, doing something perhaps for the greater good. Um, and that is, I mean, you may all be doing that already, but is it being communicated? Is it coming through in your job adverts and your, uh, you know, your interviewing processes um I think as well you know diversity and inclusion is has risen up the agenda and I think people are wanting to work for a diverse workplace um, and perhaps an organization as well that's demonstrating really responsible business practices as well in terms of sustainability and environmental impact so I think there's all of that as well so that there's huge opportunity um, but I think it's doing something that is that that is different or differentiating yourself from from the competition, really. Yeah, it, absolutely. And I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? And it is about finding out now what is it that people want. And you're right. Some of that is a lot of it is about purpose, having a purpose, whether that is um, the organisation itself is a purpose. So charities, for example, that's a prime example. But then you have easily you can get um i heard of a business the other day actually i'll tell a lie i didn't hear about it. 
Tropic, um, so Tropic Skincare, for example, brilliant business to work for anyway, but the ethics and the ethos around it is just phenomenal. Um, but one of the things they also do is they make amazing products. They're all vegan, they're all natural, they're all um, ecologically sound, everything's sourced ethically. But what they also do is a percentage of the profits from every single sale goes towards educating children in really underprivileged environments, particularly very um, far-flung environments, where they may not even get um, any kind of education at all. So not only have they got a real clear sort of ethos, they've also got that other purpose as well. So it's not just one thing, it's masses of things. And that's not a huge business, it's growing, but, you know, and people are buying into that because of everything that they believe in and what they stand for. So purpose is one thing, but it's also about what they stand for. And you're absolutely right, it's about the whole environmental thing as well. So, and which I, I feel sorry for employers to a certain extent, because if they're not aware of all of this and it is, I mean, it's a minefield, isn't it, at the end of the day. So I think the, the important thing is to sort of think of some key things that you can tweak that will make you look more um, inviting to, to people that are looking for roles. But some of that is about being a people-focused culture. So um, the quote that I like, and again, I think it's Simon Sinek, it's people before profit. Mm -hmm. Profit isn't what you focus on. Profit will actually come. If you focus on the people, your profit margins will be there. They will increase. But you do need to be making sure that you are looking after your people. And that kind of pays dividends and plays out time and time again. You look at lots of businesses that are known for having people-centric cultures. And it's not just about the people that work for you. It's about people end of. It's about your clients as well. So we know that happy happy employees engaged employees are that is actually going to generate better business for you because your clients will be happy but it's also about the processes and procedures you've got in place as well to make it uh, a great employee experience it's one thing if they're paid well and they've got nice offices but if it's an absolute pain in the rear end because the processes are there are or there are no processes or they're old and antiquated um then that's going to make life stressful. They need good systems in place, whether that's manual or ideally, you know, um, technology. So it's embracing everything that's on offer, really, to your level of, um, I was going to say expertise, but actually it's your financial ability. But you can always kind of be quite creative. But ultimately, it's down to your people. If you've got great people, you've got a great environment where you've got decent processes and people love working everything else will follow and it is about recognizing and valuing those people recognizing them for their strengths building teams around strengths as well not just that's another thing that happens is um we tend to recruit in our own image as well and that's not always a good thing i mean yes it, it's it's great you sort of see people you get on with but sometimes you need people that are quite different from you because they'll shake it up you're going to get more innovation, the same as if you've got different generations, if you've got people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different religions, races, um, sexual orientation. Everybody's got a different perspective 
And those perspectives, when you mix them all up, you're going to get all sorts of wonderful things come out of that. But you've got to you've got to value that. It's no good sort of trying to quash it because then you're not going to get the benefits that come with it. And it's not just yeah. exercise or the inclusion diversity stuff. You've got to make sure that people belong, feel belonging as well with an organisation. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, you've just said loads of great stuff there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I think it's well documented that a diverse workplace is uh, more does tend to be more creative, more innovative, and is actually more uh, um, financially more successful as well because of all of those reasons. So absolutely. Um, and you were saying before as well about purpose. And what do you think about, because I think it's important for an organisation to be quite clear on its mission and vision and purpose mm. and values and ethos and all of that. And then to be, you know, communicating that through its, um, you know, any materials really that go out so that um, you're building up your employer brand, basically, yeah. so that people know, even when you're not recruiting, just through... Yeah any any communication that that goes out to the public so that people just begin to have an understanding about oh that's that company and they stand for this yeah um and in terms of recruitment do you think that then helps people to um recruit people who have uh values that are aligned uh to the same mm. values that the organization has but how do you then counteract that and make sure you're not um recruiting in your own image and you are attracting <laughs> a diverse <laughs> you can see where i'm going with this <laughs> i can and i yeah and i must be honest sometimes i kind of sit and ponder this but i think the thing is you can still have similar values or a similar end in mind as well because i think the values thing is about um so for me yeah because that's a really good question Polly and I do it, it, I do kind of struggle with it and the whole dichotomy of yeah if you've got similar values are you going to be recruiting in your own image um I think some of it though is about for me and certainly when I've recruited I've done both I've recruited in my own image um but I've also recruited people for their strengths and their differences and some of that is about ultimately whilst our values might not align 100% the our main values such as the way we live our lives the way you know our ethos our own um what is it it's it's our own attitudes and behaviors so for example for me the most important thing about anybody is that they're a good person you know that care about other people that they would support other people um they could be a very very different person to me i may not spend time with them outside of work i might not you know want to fall in love with them or they might not be my greatest buddy but i absolutely can see what it is they bring to the table that we've got values that align because there will be certain values that align but having that different perspective um, or being brought up in a different environment, that just makes, it just makes that relationship so rich as well. Because mm. you can then have those conversations that could look to some people that there's conflict, but actually, no, it's not. What you're doing is you're just having those 
great conversations where there's all everything is out on the table nothing's taken off the table and you can talk about anything whereas if you're all very similar personalities with the same values and the same background you're more likely to just say yes okay we'll do that whereas when you've got people with different beliefs different ideas different values that will bring that uh, innovation that we were talking about but it is very very difficult to sort of see through all of that and find where those values align because there will be there will be aligned values and I think it's about recognizing what is really important to the business as well as your team and then questioning around that as well so it's about being quite creative with your question questioning and making sure that you know you are being open to all sorts of possibilities while still ensuring that you're well the best you can that you've got people that are going to bring something very uh, special to that organization mm, yeah absolutely and I think you know following a Having a structured recruitment process helps to stay objective, doesn't it? Mm, as well, it because does. yeah, you know, otherwise you're you're verging on the that you're you're potentially going to be verging on sort of unconscious bias and and all sorts yes. of other biases, which is obviously not not something that you want in your recruitment process. Because really, I always think the recruitment process is really the the idea is that you get the most suitable person for the yeah. job. Ultimately. End of really, that's, yeah. that's that. <laughs> Regardless Ultimately. of yeah 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 and I think it is difficult and and I was I was training a group of um up-and-coming managers this week and they want some help with recruitment because they're going to be recruiting for their teams and um you know they were sort of saying well how do we do it right and I think the answer to that is yes you've got to have a structure to make sure that you are um you are being you are you're following the, the rules of the work uh, the rules of the the um the laws of the land is what i'm trying to say and oh. they get the business into any any strife because you've not followed that but actually as long as you've got that structure you can prove you've got it then that's that's great but you do need to be fairly creative about your um some of the conversations that you're having to find out more about these people because this particular company have been burnt two or three times with people that were totally, totally um, the wrong, the wrong fit. And you, well, I think what you, what is difficult, and again, why I feel really sorry for businesses and managers is there are people that are brilliant at interviews. They know how to get through an interview, but actually, when you get to the nitty gritties of every day. So it's it's a really difficult situation, and I, I sure as hell haven't got all the answers. I've got some ideas, but every business is different, every person's different, and it is just about putting some thought into, like you say, what is it that the business needs, what is it the team needs, and how can we get the best best person to fit that? Um, and that will that will be different for every role, every business, every team. Yeah. Mm. Mm, absolutely thank you gosh I wonder where this conversation would go <laughs> you just great. never thank know you. do you <laughs> do you have no <laughs> do you have any final thoughts we're coming to the end of our time so I just wondered if you had any final points you might want to raise that we hadn't already covered um I think one of the things is with um 
with the problems that we've got at the moment or businesses have got with finding the right talent, I think a trick that a lot of them overlook is the people that they've already got in their business. So how many businesses actually know what talent they've got hidden in those people that are working there already? And even if it's not a full talent, if it's an ambition, if it's just that they aspire to do something. So one of my really big things is look closer to home before you start recruiting because, okay, they might not be ready-made, but actually you can develop them in the way that you want them. You can give them opportunities. So going back to what we were saying about people wanting opportunities that they want to be able to work their way up, you've got, probably got people in your workforce that would absolutely relish the opportunity to do a different job. They might not like what they're doing now, and it might be that there's something that they want to do or that they've got experience from before. And I think one of the other things is, kind of touching on this, but also if you are recruiting, is if you've got a job description and you know the sort of people you're looking for, do not expect to be able to tick all of those boxes because that perfect person just isn't out there. You are going to have to put some effort in to help to, to support them. So sometimes, in fact, I think a lot of the time, it's rather than the case of let's get the right person, it's about finding the right person for the businesses we were just talking about. Something that maybe is a bit different, but actually looking at the potential that you can bring out of that person and what value that will bring to the business, but also to that person. So it isn't all about getting um, the, the right person with all of the skills. It's like anything, isn't it? Sometimes we have to compromise, but actually when you've made that compromise, you sort of think, wow, yeah. It's like when you go and buy a house, isn't it? How often can you go and tick off all those boxes? But actually you might get something that ticks off quite a few and then you put some decorating, do the garden, you know, extend it, whatever. And then you've got your perfect home. And the same is the case with with people you've got opportunities there you've got the die you might have the diamond in the rough that ends up being the new managing director in 15 years time who knows you just don't know if you don't talk to them so it's really important that your managers are no know and that you've got kind of a an idea of what potential there is there and if you don't know then go and find out that's a really good point, actually. And I would just going back to that, I would question, you know, if you have got someone who ticks all of the boxes on the job description, I would question why why are they going to come to you? Yeah. Because they're just doing the same job that they've done somewhere else. Yeah, what, yeah. What, that's what, a really further, good point. What further stretch or development or progression, you know, are you then going to to offer that mm. person? Because surely they would be probably looking for something a bit more, you would think. Yeah. And just to go back to your point you were just making before about retaining people rather than recruiting and, you know, exploring a bit more about what you've already got in your team. Um, I was just reading yesterday about the Gallup organisation. It's a research and analytics yeah, organisation and yeah. amazing research they do. Yeah. And um, they did, uh, they conducted a huge piece of research across the globe across um, you know many many different workplaces of all different sizes and different industries and they came up with they found 12 consistent um, statements or dimensions that describe a great workplace and you just reminded me of that because a 
of them are things like uh, in the last six months, someone has talked to me about my progression and my development. And mm. in the last 12 months, I've had the opportunity to learn and grow. So yes. it's um, absolutely there may be untapped potential already mm. in your workplace and you're just you're sort of not, not aware of it as yet. Yeah. Also, one thing you could do is a stay interview. So rather oh, than wait. Yes. So rather than wait until someone's handed in their notice to do their yeah. exit interview, you know, if you're, you, you can gather some feedback about your existing, from your existing mm. workforce around, you know, what do they really enjoy about working with yeah. you? That's really helpful feedback. And, um, you know, what would tempt you away? And you can mm. come up with some questions that, and you can gather some really useful information from people who are currently working with you. And in that, hopefully, you can actually put things in place to actually prevent people you know from from having yeah. to leave because you're actually then providing them with the things that perhaps they're looking for exactly and also that having that insight as well gives you great opportunities to polish your brand and prove mm. so yeah absolutely one of the things I would say is if you do it act on it because I know there's a lot of businesses as well that do employee surveys engagement surveys yeah brilliant thank you nothing ever happens and what that does is demotivate your people even more. So with exciting stay interviews, an absolutely superb idea, brilliant idea. Simple. It's like a lot of things, isn't it? Simple, but actually, <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, it's obvious. But how many people do it? Not many, I don't think. But what a brilliant idea. Find out what your existing people like about working with you, what they don't like about working with you, and what can you do to, like you say, um, improve it for everybody else because that again is going to make you attractive your business attractive to other people from the outside should you need to recruit so there's all sorts of things that can be done what I would say finally is that actually don't expect things to happen overnight nothing happens overnight it does take time it takes effort it takes commitment it's that old adage you know you know you don't get anything unless you work for it and mm. That's so important because it can be frustrating. If thing, and sometimes if things don't work straight away or they don't work how you think, you might just have to tweak it a bit. So it's, it's that whole thing of, you know, iterations and sort of try and try again because ultimately it will work out. But it is about also being open to criticism, albeit constructive criticism, because for me, that's where I've grown the most is a, with constructive feedback constructive criticism whatever you want to call it because actually there's those areas that you're totally oblivious to and one of the other things I would say lastly absolutely lastly is that often leaders have got a very different perspective to their employees are totally different I mean they are like holes apart the leaders will think one thing the employees will think another so that stay interview is a really good way of um Mind of trying to close that gap. Feedback's really important. Um, I was just talking to someone yesterday, actually, about an organisation and they provided a benefit, but none of the staff were using it or saw it yeah. as valuable or even wanted it. Yeah. So um, it's super important to have feedback so that you know that you're actually providing, you know, what people actually want and, and yeah. need. Great. Exactly. Thank you, Debbie. That's been brilliant <laughs> talking, Polly. And I know we could have gone on forever and ever and ever. We normally do. We usually do. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, if anyone would like to get in touch with you, Debbie, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, then the best way to get in touch with me is probably um, via email, which is Debbie 
at liaislimited.co.uk or go onto the website and just look up uh, www.liaislimited.co.uk again. So, brilliant. Thank you, Debbie. Thank That's you, Polly, for having me on. Thank you for your time today, and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Yes, I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Bye. Bye. Bye.